Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, uh, another episode of the the it's a get the flick out of here podcast. I'm sick. I'm very sick. I've 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 been sick all week, and I thought I would be better by today. I'm not. Um, uh, but uh, we um, wanted to do this one this week because it is timely. No more reviewing thirty-five-year-old movies for this show. We're we're doing something timely, um, and so we are reviewing uh, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, starring Harry Potter as Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> um, uh, it is um, it's free on the Roku channel. If you don't have a Roku, you can go to the RokuChannel.com and watch it there. Uh, there are ads, which kind of breaks up the flow of everything, but it's 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 fine. It's free. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's like nothing I've ever seen. Uh, but it, it's, 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 a, it's indomitably Weird Al through and through. He co-wrote it. He produced it. He co-stars in it. Uh, and he sings all his own songs because whenever Daniel Radcliffe sings a song, he opens his mouth and out comes Weird Al and it's perfect. It's exactly what it should be. Um, but because I'm under the weather, uh, um, uh, wonderful uh, Kate Elizabeth will um, will to be taking point on this one. So here we go. Yeah, we will. Uh, this will be a little more abbreviated in the interest of time and Alex's voice. Well, and also, and also, I don't want to like. Usually, when we do things that are thirty-five years old, I assume people have seen it. Yes. Or, or that if they haven't yet, they're not gonna. Now, I don't want to spoil everything. So I want to give them like a, a rundown and tell them like the style of, of what they're trying to go for without like giving away major plot points. Spoiler alert, none of the things that happen in this biography movie are real. So Correct, yeah. that's what's fun about it. So this was, like you said, something I've never seen before. And I also was like, it's kind of good that this is like a more abbreviated one because I don't think it needs it. And... I think a lot of times that we have long ones that spent other than Team America probably spent mostly like tearing them apart. And I don't think there's a ton to tear apart no. in it. Cause yeah. even if this brand of humor isn't for you, like fundamentally it's, I think a really good <laughs> movie and what it's setting yeah. out to accomplish to your point. I don't, I think the closest thing that I've ever seen to this was probably the Dewey Cox story. Yeah, walk um, hard. Yeah, walk hard was so good. But what's fun about this and completely different about this is there is a an actual storied career of Weird Al, um, and this chooses to really not talk about much of right. of any of that, which I I really really appreciated. Um, yeah. Some of the things that did overlap with Dewey Cox and like stylistically popped me tremendously which we can get into like at the beginning of this but overall the things that i loved about it were it felt like you said exactly like weird al like this was this felt like anything that i felt like was missing from uhf i feel like i got in this which was like a little bit more of weird al's music and weird alism um and i was pretty blown away by as you called him harry potter uh in this i thought he was fantastic man like he did such a good job and um what an uh, an awesome actor i feel like so many times right with child actors we see it go a few ways one a tragic downfall 
to they're not that good and they were just cute or this more rare instance where I think he wants to be an actor uh, and is, is very good at it. Um, and yeah. this, what a fun little thing to sit in his body of work because there'll never be anything similar to it again. Um, right. I, I thought he was great. What did you think kind of overall before we, we dive in fully? Um, uh, well, I, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, there were points where I, I know I should have been laughing, but I was too um, mesmerized by the artistry of it and the cleverness of the, the joke. I was like, wow, that's really something. Um, and there were times I did, I did laugh, but, but, but a lot of it was just like watching uh, just the, the, the artistry of the buffoonery was just so <laughs> fantastic. Um, uh, and also the, the moments like that it is played like, like unflinchingly straight. Yes. Adds to the laughs of it so much of like, um, where in the very beginning, because it starts out with him as a very young boy, maybe nine, ten years old, uh, and his and his uh, very fundamentalist type parents, and his mother who means well, um, uh, it, it, she loves him, but you know she has to do whatever her husband tells tells her to do, kind of a thing. But um, that they, she comes into his room and finds him hiding under the covers, listening to you know a comedy radio show. So you know your father wouldn't like that. Turn that no, no go to bed. Uh, go to get get ready to go to school. Uh, and then she uh, is making his bed and and reaches down behind the bed. And this is the spot in the <laughs> in the regular music biopic movie where she would pull out like a stash of drugs or an album of a of a rock band that he knows he shouldn't be listening to. Um, and, and then she gets all pallid faced and looks back at the door and fetches a sigh and goes, Oh my God, my son is changing. And what am I going to do? But the thing that she pulls out is not any of those things, but instead a Hawaiian shirt and, and that, and she has the same reaction to the Hawaiian shirt that another mother in another movie might have to a stash of drugs. And, and that's when I knew I was going to love the film because they they know exactly what they're who they're making the movie for and what they're moving and making the movie about, um, and it was it was really just uh, really well like his his there's a running gag about how his dad works at the factory, just and the you, factory, yeah. My my father worked at the factory. His father worked at the factory, and damn it, you're going to work at the factory because you're a Yankovic. What do you even make there, Dad? Like I don't even know what happens at the factory. And nobody ever finds out what they make there. We, we nobody ever out. finds out what they make. Nope. Um, it is very, very fun. And those opening scenes are exactly what you just said. Like, and so much of this has been like um, making like the accordion something that's really sexy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there is a lot of Weird Al's parents saying like, just stop being who you are and doing the things that you love. Um, yes, yes. Which is really, really fun. Uh, and we, like, just this whole notion, and again, I don't want to give, like, too much away, but, like, the idea that playing the accordion is, like, this this sin, and you can kind of tell there's, like, there's something in, in their past about the accordion. Like, you can right. feel it in the acting mm -hmm. performance, which is so great. Yes. Um, yeah. and, 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 and by the end of the film, we find out 
what that is for the father. It's very very explicit. There's a long monologue. There's a there's the very interesting art, art artistry of, of like it's all done through illustrations. Um, and uh, I don't know why it wasn't obvious to me the whole movie, but it is it is perfect and it 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 absolutely encapsulates everything that it should be. And uh, by the end of the film, uh, it is the it is the largest time jump that is not actually accurate that we have uh, in the film, which I love a lot. But um, but the whole thing he keeps referring to the accordion as a squeeze box. Don't you bring <laughs> that blasphemous squeeze box in my house? Um, but um, uh, he the mother allows him to get an accordion and he practices it in the closet uh, quietly. But when he's a teenager. All of his friends invite him to a polka party. Like I can't, I can't go to a polka party. My, my 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 parents will flip. Like it's a rock musician party for in another oh, yeah. movie, and that and then when he's there, all the girls are raving about the new album from you know whatever his name is, um, who's an actual uh, accordion player and polka player, um, and they find an accordion. And they're like daring him to try it. And so when he does, he busts out this amazing like little accordion solo, um, which is in the other movie, like if you gave him gave a guy a guitar and he was like, nah, 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 and like everyone's blown away. And then someone pops in the front door, the cops are here, run. <laughs> because because we had to bust up the polka party. It's it's really so it's where the early moments I think of this uh, really where the, the film shines and like telling you what the rest of the uh, movie is going to be, which is absolutely unbridled silliness. Yep. That's exactly what I have in my notes too, of just like this scene was almost the perfect microcosm of the whole movie because one, if you know Weird Al's discography, like Polka Party was an album in there, which is just fun. So I love that they brought that to life. This trope of the, the forbidden, uh, nature of the accordion is so much fun and they really hammer at home. He's got the classic getting dragged back into the house by the cop scene uh, after this and his parents are just so disappointed in him. Earlier in this too, we also get a really great scene of young Al, um, an accordion salesman, those door-to-door -door accordion salesmen. <laughs> <laughs> walk into yeah. one of them walks into the house and is looking to sell one to the dad but realizes that the vulnerable kid is there um yeah and the dad uh as we were noting this is obviously a hot button issue it really comes to life here where he beats the hell out of an accordion salesman saying that mm -hmm. like it's the devil's squeeze box who's played by i always forget his name but the phenomenal actor who's in reno 911 uh and has so many similar thomas, parts like the, thomas lennon is the name of the thomas actor, lennon the accordion salesman always perfect in whatever he is and like a scene stealer but never i mean i guess in you know 911 he was like extremely flamboyant but like never in an overpowering the scene way just like always perfectly placed yeah. in stuff like this um that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie because the the mom to try and rectify the fact that her husband just assaulted this accordion salesman um offers to buy al the accordion but he also is laying there with a collapsed lung and we could assume uh probably died but i just loved that they even played into the origin story of how al finally after the accordion this forbidden instrument in the house 
is able to get his hands on one, it's because his dad beat the hell out of a door-to-door accordion salesman who they tried to buy off uh, the accordion to then uh, him laying on the floor bloody saying he has a collapsed lung and and dying. So like just all of these fantastic tropes, but also like justifying the plot of the movie as we go along a little bit, because like this forbidden instrument, the mom caved and finally got him one. And we, we find him be a prodigy. He's going to these polka parties. Right. And then eventually uh, his love for the polka forces him to, to leave the house here and go to college. Uh, or he's at least rooming with with college dudes right. uh, in an apartment with three roommates, Steve, Jim, and Bermuda, uh, Spencer Treat Clark, Jack Lancaster, and Tommy O'Brien. Um, and he's we see him auditioning for a band, a traditional band, and uh, mohawked well, guy. A punk band, not a, a polka band. band. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. You see, yeah. like, dude with a the mohawk, they're auditioning people to join the band, and he's just out there playing his accordion. And, like, the the sincerity with which Daniel Radcliffe is like, did I did I get it? Did I get did I get the gig? Uh to find out that um yeah, while no. they're while they're sincerely intrigued by this accordion player, they for some reason think it's not gonna fit yeah. in fit in with the band. And then we move along to uh him writing his own song, which of course is not his own song. It's uh, My Bologna, the My Sharona ripoff. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's this really, really great, again, just the the ability to play parody so straight um, and lean into the absurdity of the fact that this is around a parody uh, accordion player comes to life so much here and no more than um, with these roommates who are like we gotta lay it down like felt very much like uh, that thing you do or like this like innocence that's wrapped in them recording his accordion parody song in the bathroom to get the acoustics right and then sending that to the DJ is so 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 perfect the the thing that I love about it is that he truly did record his first single in a public bathroom at the bus station because the acoustics were so good and he had no money for a recording studio. That is like one of the one things they got. They, they deliberately said, this is the truth. I love this scene where he does his first parody thing because he, um, it's almost like a beautiful mind. Yes. We're like, he's looking, he's listening to my Sharona on the radio and looking at a package of my Bologna, which is the whichever one of the three guys is like, yeah, sure, just open up a package of my Bologna, and we'll make make us some sandwiches or whatever. And so he's looking at it, and he's just like, like he's he's making it up in his head, like it's just it's like his the you can see the gears turning. I almost wish that they had done the th- the the meme of all the equations like going around around his head as he was doing it. But like all the guys in there watching him go, oh my god! We're like we're watching, we're watching the genius work. happen, yeah. And then he and he does the thing like he plays the the first beginning of it, and they're like, "What did you just do?" Like as I, as though that they had never could never have thought of it. Uh, it's so good. And I uh, when he he sells it off, sends it off to the DJ, who plays it. Like he sends it off, comes back to the apartment. 
and two minutes later, the radio is playing the song, which is not how the mail works. Um, but um, the DJ's playing the song. Like, I, I, this, this song is, is a huge hit. Um, and like the DJ can just declare it's a huge hit, which does honestly kind of feel like that's how it works in some of these uh, music biopics. You know, like the DJ just says, this is a hit, and that's it. It's a hit. Um, but he gets his first gig off the back of that song. And uh, when he's playing it, he's understandably very nervous because somehow they give him a gig at a punk bar, and the and and the the band that rejected him gets booed off the stage, and everyone there it seems to be more of a punk type thing. So I'm I'm really scared about this. Now, you have to know there has never been any inkling from any of the other roommates that they are at all musically inclined. <laughs> Not even. Not even close. No, 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 not one of them said, "Hey, um, you know, I, I play I the play drums. The, I play the drums. Maybe I'll lay down a track with you with your my Sharona thing." Nope, that never happened. So, like, they all are backstage watching him go out there and, and have like stage fright. He says, "He needs us," and they all just go on stage, pick up scattered instruments, and start playing Brilliant. brilliantly, um, and uh, and play along with it, and the and the crowd loves it. Uh, Patton Oswalt uh, is playing a, a bystander in, in, in the bar and he starts crying because it's just so beautiful. His his cover of, of, of My Sharona as My Bologna. Um, uh, oh no, he also plays um, uh, I Love Rocky Road. Yes. Which is, of course is a parody of I Love Rock and Roll and there's this giant woman who goes into the bartender and says I'll take two scoops of rum raisin. We don't sell ice cream here. Well, you better before the end of this song or you're going to have a riot on your hands. Some really good stuff. It's so really, good. Really good stuff. What I love to I love that so little of this is real but there's probably like hints of real stuff. Like I would guess in like the beautiful mind sequence that you were describing like I bet Weird Al probably like hears or sees something and is like, huh, and then writes it out. But like the, the like conjuring of his genius thoughts was so, so much fun here. Um, and then you get things like this. Yes. Of the roommates, like coming in from out of nowhere to save the day and play the, um, there's a million cameos in here. Later we find out Josh Groban's a waiter for literally no reason at all. He has like two lines as the waiter. Um, and of course this leads to the next plot point in any, uh, music right. biopic. And again, coming back to something a little bit more sincere with Dr. Demento, who's played perfectly by Rain Wilson is sitting in the back of this. I can't just emphasize enough grungy punk bar in mm -hmm. his Dr. Demento outfit, his top hat and his suit. And he's just sitting there to discover the next great comedic parody talent at this punk bar. Um, and, and that's kind of where we see the first of it, which is just so much fantastic fun. Um, and I love how organically they, they are weaving in organically here. And then um, hysterically later organically forced in. Uh, his the songs that he's created like this this makes it feel like a sincere Weird Al biopic. But to do a sincere Weird Al biopic, nothing about it has to be uh, real. So, but we do get I Love Rocky Road. Um, we get another one rides the bus. Uh, well, that one is is done at the pool party, which is a direct 
ripoff of the pool party scene from Boogie Nights with the same music and everything. But instead of walking around and meeting all these other porn stars, he meets Pee Wee Herman and uh, Salvador Dali is there, played by Emo Phillips, who's talking to Andy Warhol, played by Conan O'Brien. Wolfman Jack, the very uh, popular DJ, <clears throat> played by Jack Black. And um, everyone's doubting him and his accordion um, playing. So, all right. All right, accordion player, wonder boy. Why don't you make me up a song right now? Uh, wh what song should he do? Anybody in the, in the peanut gallery behind me? And hear a voice go, do another one rides the bus. And the guy steps out. And it's a very, if, you see, if you've seen any movie for the last 15 years, this guy's probably been in it. Um, I don't know what his name is. But this, I'm John, John Deacon. He's like, huh? I, I played the bass for Queen. Oh, oh, okay, cool. All right, but do another one rides the bus, fine. And so on the spot, immediately he comes up with, with which again is one of my all time favorite Weird Al. So just uh, the, the way. The way it's all put down is so good. But he sings basically the whole song on the spot. And everyone in the round somehow has like little improvised instruments. And they're playing along with him. There's somebody pretending to be Grace Jones. Has one of those little things where you go hit it and goes. Like, like it's just tambourines, cowbells. Everyone's there doing this. Um, and then uh, John Deacon said, like, that was truly amazing. Queen. <laughs> We're playing Live Aid. Um, uh, we'd love for you to come on stage and play that song with us. Uh, and we, I was like, fat chance. No way. <laughs> it's so good. I so good. adored um, how much. And before this, this is like preceded by. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the scenes Weird Al's actually into. Because those are, of course, right. pitch yes. perfect. But. There is like a, a more gradual rise to fame as you see here. But I, when I started realizing there's going to be a bunch of cameos, I was like, Jack Black has to be in this. Cause you know, Jack Black was so influenced sure. by Weird Al. There's no way he wasn't with everything that he's done in um, not as much parody music, but definitely silly music and satirical on the genre of, of rock in general, obviously no school of rock and everything, but I was like, Jack Black has to be in this somewhere. And for him to be playing the role of like, this kid doesn't have what it takes. I've spotted this before is so great. And then also before the Another One Rides the Bus parody, we see the two of them walking away. We see the bassist from Queen and Jack Black being like, we knew it. And then he starts to play and they turn around in like the most perfectly dramatic fashion. It's yep. it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie for for so many reasons and him blowing off live aid was hilarious to me. Like, especially if you know what that ended up being for queen and, and Freddie Mercury. So just so much fun. We see him rising to fame, um, but not before we see him take his, his, his tape to the record company, which is about as, uh, token as the dj who made him famous and uh weird al and his lackey basically playing the record executives here saying what you got one good song kid 
that's not enough to sustain a career and rejecting him, which is one of the most important things in a biopic is the rejection from the major label, I think. And for Weird Al to be in it on that side of things, I just thought was very fun because sincerely, I'm sure there were a lot of people that were like, you can't make a career doing this. <laughs> just a bunch of fun with that. Um, and also throughout the movie, we get so much of, uh, him trying to make his factory dad happy, um, which ends up being the downfall of what we'll talk about in a little bit. But I just liked, um, we got a scene where he calls back home and he's like, essentially, I'm getting famous now. Uh, and the dear mother is like, okay, just so you know, though, like your dad's still not proud of you. I thought was like a really fun thing that she, she goes so far out of her way uh, to let him know that uh, his dad is still not at all proud. But Dr. Demento is holding his hand the whole way through this rise to fame. Um, and we see him living in his like palatial estate. And one of the funniest uh, swerves in this, or beginning of swerves in this, is that Madonna just shows up at his house and says, yep. I'm Madonna. And immediately you're like, Oh, this is like the perfect put played brilliantly too. Um, like Madonna has to be a bad influence, right? There's no way Madonna can be in something that's in a biopic and be anything other than a bad influence. Yep. But like this begins this whole narrative of um like people trying to get the the weird owl rub, right? Um because of parodies and him making other artists famous it's not enough for him anymore because he's been told by the record label that this one song isn't enough to sustain him. So he's going to do an original song. He's going to break format. He's going to do an original song called eat it. Um, and then he gets a little bit of a taste of his own medicine, Alex, because this Michael Jackson kid from the Jackson five, whoever this mm -hmm. punk ass is, uh, completely rips him off and does a parody called beat it, which is not how that works at all. Uh, so that's that was a pretty devastating blow here, but I did want to pause and just talk about Madonna just showing up and being like, I'm Madonna was hilarious to me. Him living in his like palatial estate was hilarious. He has a bust of himself at one point. Um, and Dr. Demento was starting to slowly lose grip on this this monster that he's helped raise here, um, all because he's in a chase to kind of satisfy his dad the factory generic factory worker right um the idea that that you can never become a real famous or true artist writing so lyrics to somebody else's song you have to do your own one which is why then he comes up with eat it he does it himself it's all his own idea and they ride that joke into the <laughs> ground <laughs> And they it's say great. It so much. And it's probably, I mean, he had a lot of albums before this, but like as far as ones to point to, like Weird Al's fame and Michael Jackson's fame, like the idea of Michael Jackson getting the rub from Weird Al <coughs> when this was probably like his, maybe his biggest breakthrough hit at that mm -hmm. point. Right. Um, yeah. Is um, a, a fun it's, tentacle. It's so, so good because, because the idea of, um, his parody of mine came out 
so soon after the release of my song, <laughs> everyone's probably going to think that I parodied him. But that's not what happened. No, oh, so good. Um, and Evan Rachel Wood as Madonna in this is unbelievable. <laughs> she's so, so great. The the uh, She's such a bad influence on him. He goes from, I don't really drink, to being an absolute mess of an alcoholic in the span of one scene. Um, and, uh, he, 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 you gotta have the scene where he says disparaging things to the members of his band, all his real friends have to walk out on him because, because, you know, he's, 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 he's in the booze and, and, and that, 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 that succubus, that harpy, she's a bad influence on you. Uh, all, all the tropes are there and it's, it's all played, uh, brilliantly. And then it, the thing of it is, is that it, it, it's, it's certainly around this point the the story becomes like you're like okay this is the, obviously this is a parody of some stuff uh, no 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 beat it came first we all know beat it came first right and then it becomes like um he has to go rescue madonna from pablo escobar who kidnapped her because pablo escobar wanted him to play at his birthday party i don't want to go into all of that i'm just saying that's the hard left turn the movie takes and it's it it feels absolutely warranted and and they they nail every bit of it. It's unbelievable. And it's it's so so good. It is it and and honestly, um, I, I I tease when I say uh, Harry Potter is playing the part, but it's like it's the, obviously it's a thing he'll never get away from, you know. Um, oh yeah. Uh, but um, if you see some of the stuff that he's done recently, like some really uh, dark, interesting, introspective acting, like he's. He's really come into his own in a lot of ways. And I love the idea that he wanted to do this because, because of the challenge of it, of, of playing Weird Al while in a scene with Weird Al by not playing Weird Al because it's not really Weird Al. It's, it's Weird Al's own like version of himself that he wanted to put in a, in a movie. It's really, 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 really brilliant. I'll also say two things uh, that you were kind of like hinting on that I wanted to bring up that cracked me up specifically. Um, there's a scene he's never drank in his life and he is just, she is literally feeding whiskey down his throat like multiple yes. times in the movie. And they are like so in love and you know, it's because he wasn't getting love from his parents that he's finally found at Madonna. They make that abundantly clear. But at one point they sit down to dinner and he's like, do you think we're moving too fast? And she's like, no, this is the best six hours of my life. Or something like the closing the time gap yeah. was so yeah. funny. And to the scene that you alluded to with um his his bandmates that came in the middle, Alex, of a, a 21 day residency at Madison Square yes. Garden. Yes. The, yes. the Knicks got kicked to some place in Jersey because he was yeah. just selling out MSG right. at such a rapid right. pace. Uh and we start to learn that Madonna has this nefarious plan all along. Um, we see the Like a Surgeon parody, which I think was my first um, recollection of as a as a kid hearing like a like a virgin, like a surgeon. Um, I I think a lot of it is is uh, people's first exposure to Weird Al is whatever your music you're into at the time, um, real music. Somebody says, "Oh, you have to hear this parody version of the song." Yes. For me, it, for me, it was smells like Teen Spirit. Oh. For, for, 
it, for me, it was smells like Nirvana it's because my it was just, one. Yeah. which is which is honestly, it's 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 brilliant in and of itself. But but the idea that I was into the whole grunge thing, and somebody was like, "You got to listen to this thing." I was like, "Weird Al, what?" And and for, I was hooked. I was hooked from the from the very beginning, and I started uh, listening to all all of his stuff. And it's some of the stuff is is so brilliant. There's one thing I I I, I will forget if I don't mention it. Somebody brought this up because it was the anniversary of of the release of the song um uh or something like that whatever it was um uh the episode one the phantom menace came out and then um uh a month later a month later the video and song for his parody of uh, Phantom Menace, sung to American Pie, um, came out. So he wrote it, recorded it, shot the video in a month, and uh, like that's ridiculous how fast his brain works that he could even write the song. It's a, a real long song. Do, it's an incredibly <laughs> long song, and it's and it and it delves into like very minute, tiny little details of the plot. Of the thing that only you could only have if you had sat down and watched the film like five times in the theaters, which God help you. But like you know, I mean, like the, this the, the the kind of way his brain works is just on a completely different level. And I I love that he um, that he was able to spoof himself in how fast he works and how and how brilliant his mind is. Like he's like uh, like he's an, I don't but yes, I am genius. You know, yeah. like that kind of a thing. <laughs> And I did love, like, Madonna's whole thing, we find out, is, like, she wants to be a power couple because this is, like, somewhat true. Obviously, when you're dealing with blockbuster hits like Eat It and Beat right. It, it's it's not as big of a thing. But, like, people were getting sustained marketing wins off of uh, these parodies mm -hmm. when they, they would come out. So, like, the timing, to your point of them, is, is really important because he also wants to strike while the iron's hot. But this idea that, like, Madonna just has this mastermind plan of, I can write the songs, you write the parodies, we'll take over the world, is like such a fun and fantastic through line in this. Um, I also love the scenes where uh, Dr. Demento is, knows he's losing grip. He's trying to sit down with Weird Al, but of course Madonna's there because she always has to be there. We see that in every music biopic. We see it in Spinal Tap too, like that there's always like the bad influence woman. Um, I, I thought Evan Rachel Wood and Daniel Radcliffe together were, were magic. But there's also, to your point, and we're not going to dive too much into it because it's a huge spoiler. Um, this, like, they tell you a couple times throughout the movie that Pablo Escobar is a huge fan of Weird Ass Work. It leads to absurdity that would be a spoiler, in my opinion, and this is new, so we're not going to go right. into it too much more than Alex recapped earlier. But, like, it is absolutely hilarious um, because it was funny on its own, not knowing what it was going to lead to. Just the idea that this drug lord was thought, thought like a surgeon was hilarious or whatever. Right. And then it goes into a place that only Weird Al could take you to, um, which is so fun. It ultimately ends up with the outcome of this movie, which we're not going to spoil here. But we will say there's a major award show involved. Mm -hmm. And before we get to that inevitable conclusion... <laughs> um, we see Weird Al start to put the pieces together after uh, his life is on the line in a very unorthodox way, whereas I think in most biopics, 
Uh, you see the the downfall of the drug addiction, which is where we were going. Um, he almost dies in an incredibly different scenario. Uh, Madonna and him do break up, uh, but he needs to get back to his roots. And we see him go back to his parents' house. Uh, and he works briefly at the factory so that he can reconnect with his dad. He still doesn't know what he's making. He does know that he flips a switch and I think kills somebody in the process. We see. Uh, well, he, he hit the wrong button when he when he, he hit the wrong button when he killed somebody. That's that you got to got to follow directions in a factory. Common in the factory. In the factory of, of which we still don't know what is made. Um, but th that to me felt straight out of like a UHF situation where you just see the guy like dying and nobody's really acknowledging it. And the back is so much fun. Uh, and the dinner scene with his parents is great. His mom has put on a ton of weight. Um, she says that she's fat. She's really, really fat. And I was like, oh, fun. And then they don't really dive into that parody. They go in an entirely different direction. They sure do. Which I thought was hilarious. Um, but again, we see like, and we saw this a lot in the, the Queen biopic too, where Freddie Mercury would be like, inspired by what was going on around him and then we would jump cut to the song that's being there we see that again at the dinner table um and, and in the scene before with another one rides the boss and like it, it, it's a very very fun through line um i think that there, there's there's the um the, the moment of like usually as you said it's usually like you hit rock bottom because of a drug addiction or uh or whatever in these movies and then you give the whole thing up you got to quit cold turkey. I got to quit the life because the life is what's leading me down this path. Uh, I can't go back on the life. Yeah. Right. Well, I can't go back on the road touring because there's just, there's too much, too many temptations. And I know I can't. So I got to move back home and get a job at the factory or whatever. And then is, is, is the thing that happens in all these movies, the person that they wanted to, to play it straight for, um, and they were like, no, you're right. You're right. You were always right. I never should have followed my dreams. Like, is that, is that what you think I was trying to tell you? I was just trying to protect you from the downfall that I experienced long monologue. Uh, but really, honestly, you've got a gift and you don't owe it to yourself. You, you don't owe it to the people. You owe it to me to go out there and give the world your gift. Uh, it's, it's again, Played entirely straight, but not at all, uh, is is wonderful. And the thing of it is, is that the entire thing comes to a head. I will talk about exactly what happens in a fictitious award ceremony in 1985. Um, during at which he uh, plays uh, uh, plays fully a song that Weird Al would not release for another 30 years. Yes, um, or 20 25 years or whatever. Um, and they never reconcile the fact that that this thing set in eighty five because again, once you go back far enough, if if the if the biopics are set back far enough and you actually delve into the history, you would be shocked at how the the timelines don't match up at, at all. all to what actually happened. But for the sake of telling a story in a movie, they just move everything around whenever they want to. And we're now saying, well, let's just do that. To the to the most possible way possible, it was it was that to the that's fullest great. extent of the law. Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, it's it is one of those uh, one of those movies that you really just um, has to be seen to be believed. 
I would say if you uh, if you are a Weird Al fan, you probably already watched it. Uh, but if you haven't, <laughs> you you gotta. Um, and if you're a Daniel Radcliffe fan, uh, really, it's kind of an amazing thing. You got you got to watch this too. But really, just if you're a a, a fan of uh, of parody in any way, uh, this is this is a, a, a great great movie. A lot of fun. Evan Rachel Wood who plays Madonna. Uh, also, I want to give give a shout out to her as the, the actress because she this is My a great God. job with it. Really, really playing into it. The the funny thing about all of this is that she is uh, in this movie a huge huge part of his life, right? Yes. As far as anyone knows, they've never met. Weird Al and Madonna have never met, and and so it's completely arbitrary that they would pick her to be this figure in his life, but I love that they did. Well, you have to, because it was the bad influence of the eighties, right? right? right like, exactly. it's, it's so well done. And like her whole attitude in it, um, yeah. she it ends up being a, a huge piece of it. But um, uh, just the idea that Weird Al was this, uh, you know, he was the sweet, innocent guy uh, playing his accordion and writing parody songs to the yeah. tune of whatever afforded him this, palatial estate um and she just shows up and just says i'm madonna like it's so perfect like she's right. so funny and you can see the wheels turning in her head that's what i loved about her performance in this of like yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna corrupt this guy and then i'm gonna get we're gonna take over the world as this parody artist and madonna who needs right. no extra help obviously yeah. is so much fun um but yeah, the the big reveal with his dad, the the sincere scene about why he's always been so staunchly anti-accordion his whole life is is perfect. And also the award that he's up for of like lead accordion in a extremely specific genre or whatever the the title. That Perhaps not technically the best, but <laughs> arguably the most famous there accordion player in a very specific genre of music. Without an I. I don't even know who who else would be nominated for. No, like it's it's just it's just Weird Al against himself. Oh, isn't it him versus like Prince though? Right? Yeah. There's like <laughs> we see when Prince loses, he gets up and leaves in a huff. Which is also amazing because Prince is legitimately one of the most. Oh sure. Maybe the most versatile talent yeah. of songwriting guitar playing vocals like you would believe that he could just pick up an accordion and be one of the best at it in a very specific yeah, way but like it's, it's only the two of them are, that are nominated uh prince loses and gets up and leaves is, is such a hilarious detail so many cameos in this that are so much fun none right. of them overpowering none of them detract no. from the story only add to it um overall just to your point if you're a weird al fan you've probably already seen it if you have it it's a must see yeah. Uh, if you are a fan of Daniel Radcliffe or just parodies in general, it's it's such a blast. A very easy watch. I love that yeah. it's free. Um, but like this feels like such a nod to if Weird Al decided to retire tomorrow, this is the perfect button on his career kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's it's such a blast. I can't believe uh, when they released that Daniel Radcliffe was playing Weird Al. I just was. Um, what like and then i saw the pictures of the way he looked and everything uh mm. he delivers because it would be pretty easy to screw this up i think like <laughs> it really would like you got to be committed and he's been yeah. doing theater work and so much serious stuff um weird al had tweeted like 
fun fun movie trivia. Did you know that before Daniel Radcliffe played Weird Al, he did in fact play a boy wizard in previous movies, which I thought was so precious. Like so just such a blast. So uh what an easy watch. How how much fun this was. I couldn't believe to your point. I, there wasn't a ton that I was laughing out loud about. It was so much more of stepping back and being impressed by how witty a lot of this stuff was where I feel like when I watched like the Dewey Cox movie, I had tears in my eyes laughing, but I was, I was so impressed by how artistic the parody was that I wasn't like gut laughing out loud at a lot of it, but it was, it was so clever on itself the entire time. Walk hard is just uh, gag after gag after gag, and this isn't that. Like it's, it is a, it is a. Uh, they're they're telling a story. It's a yes. completely false story, but they're telling a story a story the whole way through, and so that you have to like find time for that. And I, I thought that was uh, that was some really good stuff. Yeah, this was this was awesome. I love Weird Al. So this, this was a ton of fun. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, go go watch it. If you're yeah even peripherally a fan of any of Daniel Radcliffe, Weird Al, or parodies, go go yeah. dive into it. We're keeping the flick today, Alex. Oh, the, the, flick, the, flick, is, the flick is being kept. Uh, spoiler alert, probably the last time for about six weeks that I'm going to be doing that. <laughs> uh, unless, unless unless you let me watch Ernest Saves Christmas. We will. In which case, we will do that. Uh, in which case, I'm keeping that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, there's going to be, well, we're going to get into now some, some, some Christmas movies uh that are not my favorite christmas movies oh uh, november <laughs> oh november praying for my own death sember is going to be even worse than oh my god november but uh we're we're yeah we'll we'll uh we'll 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 get into that until then uh <sighs> thank you so much we're 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 keeping the flick it's not getting out of it it's keep we're keeping it both of us uh please uh go watch it enjoy it and we'll see you next week um dreading it already but thank you everybody it'll be a lot of fun <laughs> good night r-e-s-p-e-c-t click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me now nah, that doesn't have a ring to it but if you like videos about real news stories that are funny stupid or weird subscribe now